Coming up, two more non-tendered free agents that the D-backs should consider going after, and then the good, the bad, and projecting Josh Rojas' 2023 season on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. <laughs> Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked On Diamondbacks about Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle we also got a youtube channel go hit subscribe on the locked on diamondbacks youtube channel as well and also i just want to say thank you for making locked on diamondbacks your first listen every day i would not be able to do this podcast without you my loyal listeners sharing subscribing reviewing doing all that so i could do this podcast for you thank you it's free and available on all platforms so please continue to tell your friends not quite sure if the intro made too much sense because I said the good, the bad, and projecting Josh Rojas 2023 season. We're going to be talking about his past season 2022, the good and bad from that, and then project what he can do, what he can improve on in his game for 2023. So we're going to be talking a little bit about our guy, Josh Rojas. But before we talk about Rojas, I need a better nickname than Rojasi. Before we talk about Rojas, I first, I promised you guys yesterday I had two more non-tendered free agents that I think the D-backs should go after. So let's look at those other two people, those other two players that I have written down because I got two more relievers that the D-backs should consider for their bullpen and maybe they're not as spicy or, or as sexy as the Alex Reyes and the Jackson Stevens I um speculated on yesterday but these are still two very serviceable guys probably a little bit more risk than the two guys I you know speculated on yesterday or proposed yesterday but these are still two guys who are not bad by the numbers serviceable by the numbers and still some upside as well so first guy I want to talk about is John Del Gustav and he's a right-handed pitcher he's 30 years old don't ask me who these guys are I did not know any of these relievers outside of Alex Reyes before I was doing this exercise, before I looked at the non-tender free agent list. Because if you look at that list, you're like, man, there's actually not a lot of guys here that I know. Like, I knew Cody Bellinger. I knew the Alex Reyeses. I knew the Trevor Gotts. But not too many familiar names on that non-tender free agent list. And so this was a fun exercise to do because I got to learn a lot of new baseball players. And John Del Gustav is one of those players. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Like I said, righty, 30 years old, so not too old at all. What I like about Gustav is his splits are pretty even against both lefties and righties, so he doesn't have to be just a righty specialist as a right-handed pitcher. You can use him against both lefties and righties cross matchups. If you look at his last three seasons in ERA, it's gotten worse every season, but this past year, 3.86. The year previous, 3.44. And then, and then the previous year, 2.96 ERA. So this is someone who, even though the ERA is going in the direction you don't want it to go, it's still below a four, and it's still a very solid ERA and definitely something to work with there. 
I do think he could improve on his walk rate, but at least when you look at his numbers this past season, his walk rate kind of stayed the same from where it was the past couple of years, but his strikeout rate did improve, went to like, uh, just added a few ticks, was like six and a half strikeouts per nine in 2021. It was like eight and a half strikeouts per nine in 2022. So was able to add a few more strikeouts under his belt. And we know Mike Hazen, new bullpen philosophy, wants to get guys that could throw hard and really strike out people. Not everyone who I brought up the last couple of days on podcast for non-tender free agents are strikeout artists, but they can at least throw some gas. When you look at Gustav, he still fits the ground ball model that the D-backs like. I know they want to get more gas, but they still are going to focus on dudes that can produce ground balls as well because that is something that Gustav does very well. Mid-40s or better in terms of ground ball percentage the last two years. It's been around like 45 to 48%. Like This is someone that produces a lot of ground balls. He's definitely someone that pitches to contact, and that's both good and bad because I'm not usually a huge guy for someone that pitches to contact, but the numbers are good enough on Gustav where he could get away with it. And I think I like pitchers who pitch to contact less when they're a starter in my rotation. I think I could get away with a guy who pitches the ground balls when he's only coming in for an inning, only facing a few batters here or there. Because for Gustav, his contact percentage the last couple of years has been in the low 80s. So he's definitely someone that's pitching the contact. Also, the hard contact stats, don't look at them too long. They're not the prettiest either. So he's definitely someone that's given up a decent amount of contact. Even with all that being said, only a 236 opponent average allowed last season. You'll definitely take that. You look at his numbers with runners in scoring position, a 219 average, and a 640 OPS allowed with runners in scoring position. So those numbers are very good as well. He's been great in high leverage moments as well last season. 635 OPS allowed in high leverage moments. This is someone that has been good in those big spots. You come in. Man on second, man on third, maybe two outs. He's been able to get out of those jams the last couple of years. And so that's something that the D-backs really need is those high leverage moment relievers. Don't have enough of those. Most of them are lefties. So if we could get a couple of righties in the system, that would be very beneficial. He's someone that uses the sinker slider as his main arsenal. Really only does three pitches. It's mostly sinker slider. And then the third pitch mix in there every now and then is that fastball but even though he's mostly a sinker kind of ball a sinker ball pitcher averages 96 miles per hour on his sinker ball so typically i'm not a big pitch i'm not big typically i'm a person that's not into the pitcher that pitches the contact that pitches to get ground balls but i'm okay with that guy if that sinker ball pitch like usually when a guy his main pitch is like a sinker ball pitch if it's like a tyler gilbert where he's throwing it like 90 miles per hour then i'm usually out on that guy but if you're throwing a 96 mile an hour sinker ball and you also got a 96 mile an hour fastball i think i can live with that then and his slider virtually unhittable when you look at the numbers it's like a 150 average loud on that slider so he gets a lot of ground balls pitches the contact with that singer and then if he wants to go for the strikeout he throws that slider down and away so jandel gustav is definitely one name i think the d-back should consider the other name I think they should consider is Jarlin Garcia, who's coming, who just got non-tendered by the San Francisco Giants, so it would be a little NL West rival pickup. He's a lefty, 29 years old, and if you look at his last four seasons in terms of ERA, 374, 262, 0.49302, and during those four seasons, he had around a one whip as well, so this is someone that produced very effectively and efficiently at a high level, but 
started to regress and slip some in 2022. Contact percentage, though, has improved each of the last three seasons. You like to see that. A career 246 BABIP guy batting average and balls in play. That's BABIP. 246 for his career is pretty good as well. Modest hard contact stats allowed. Not great. Not bad either. 192 average allowed to lefties. So Garcia is definitely a lefty specialist. Don't want to play him against righties. But against lefties, absolutely shuts down that matchup. He's also a guy that, unlike a Gustav, who we just talked about, great in those high leverage moments, maybe a potential closing option, be a guy that spot starts in that closing spot. Garcia, not going to be that guy. He was terrible in safe situations last year, but in non-safe situations, a 3-2-2 ERA, you'll definitely take that. Garcia, I'm going to talk about some concerning numbers with him. Um, runners in scoring position, don't look at the numbers. Absolutely atrocious. Don't look at the numbers in high leverage moments. Terrible there as well. So for Garcia, the ERA has been good the last four years, improved on the contact percentage, but has not been able to come through when you have those men on the bases and when the opponent has men on the bases. Garcia hasn't been great in those moments, and that is what would scare me with this signing. He does have a fastball changeup slider combination, but the reason why I want a Garcia even though some of those underlying numbers look bad, is because he was good the previous few seasons. I don't think one season means you're washed. And he's also someone that's 29, turning 30, not too old. Fastball velo around 94 miles per hour. And that 94 mile an hour fastball velocity is like the highest it's been in like three or four seasons. So if he's someone that we could get with Brentstrom, I know I'm going to use that as a qualifier for a lot of pitchers, but it's true because Brentstrom is like the most elite guy you can have as a pitching coach. So Garcia, even though this season was down, there's other numbers to suggest he's also improving, just needs to get better at runners of scoring position, needs to get better in high leverage moments, can throw mid-90s on the fastball, change up slider as well. I wouldn't mind rolling the dice on a guy like Garcia or Gustav. And whoever the D-back signed for their bullpen is going to make sure they're able to secure a lead. Like Simply Safe is able to secure your home because did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package theft spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system. So that means more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Here's why I love Simply Safe. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by US News and World Report for a third year in a row. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than $1 a day, less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere, arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your camera, or adjust system settings. 
Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash lockdown MLB. This is their biggest discount of the year. So don't wait. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's go and let's discuss the good and bad from Josh Rojas's 2022 season. Excuse me, and I think I'm going to first start excuse me, with the good from Josh Rojas's 2022 season. Excuse me. I I'm having like little mini burps over here, but I think all the gas is expelled. Let's look at the good from Josh Rojas's 2022 season because Rojas, I mean, I didn't have a lot of expectations for Rojas when he was first acquired in the Grinky trade. I thought he was a throw-in piece in that deal. And thus far, he's surpassed all my expectations. And coming back from injury, because he didn't start the season with the D-backs, he looked good since coming back from injury. And what was most surprising about Rojas is the speed component. Rojas has always been, like, I guess one of the quicker guys on the D-backs, but he was never a burner. He was never someone that you were like, okay, he's going to get Maybe I didn't think he would be able to get 15 stolen bases in a single season. The fact that he got a career high 23 stolen bases in 125 games is crazy. At one point, I think he was like 18 for 18 or 19 for 19 on stolen bases. Also had a career high 56 RBIs. Not the highest number, but still a career high for Josh Rojas. What I loved about Josh Rojas when he came back off the injured list is you could just see the subtle improvements in his game, and it shows up in the numbers. Cut the strikeout rate down. Strikes out less while maintaining a double-digit walk rate. I believe his strikeout rate was below 20% this past season. And it's not just the strikeout rate. It's not just the walk rate. Less ground balls, more fly balls. So whenever you're changing the balance of ground balls to fly balls whenever you're going to more fly balls it's going to lead to more over the fence power that's going to lead to more gap power as well even though that wasn't necessarily true for Rojas in 2023 or excuse me 2022 I'm hoping it's more true in 2023 because this guy when he does put the ball in play a 323 Babbitt batting average and balls in play Rojas 323 Good things happen when Josh Rojas puts the ball in play. He had a better launch angle and hard hit percentage in 2022 as a pro, as opposed to the previous season. His contact percentage has improved in three straight years. Like This is someone that just gets better and better at the plate every single season. And what I thought was really interesting when combing through Rojas' numbers is this was the first time in his career that he saw less than four pitches per plate appearance. So what does that mean for Rojas? He didn't need to go up to the plate and wait for his pitch. He was aggressive and he attacked early in the count. And that paid off dividends for Josh Rojas. Because you look at some of the other numbers, some of the advanced numbers for Rojas are really impressive. Against righties in 2022, like Ross was pretty good against righties. I think he should improve in this area though. Because the 273 average and 767 OPS against righties, like those are pretty good numbers. Those are pretty solid splits. But considering he's a lefty batter, I want to see like a 290 average and like an 825 OPS against righties. Let's get those numbers up. 
Rojas, when he led off an inning, I'm not saying when he batted first, you know, I'm not saying when he was a leadoff hitter entering a game. I'm just saying any inning this past season where he got to lead off that inning, he had a 299 average. This is someone that's subtly very good at setting the table, but also if you look at his numbers when he was either batting third or batting fifth, very weird, but when he was batting third or batting fifth, he was like a 300 average, like 850 OPS guy. Like he absolutely crushed in like the two money spots in the line, in the lineup. So it makes me wonder whether he should be a guy that, you know, adds at the top of the lineup because he produces when he's at the top of the lineup. He's producing when he's deleting off. So it's all very interesting questions for Josh Rojas. Numbers were also very good when he played second base, a 313 average and an 826 OPS when he was manning second. And these are the numbers what we're about to get into is really the numbers that I love and really the numbers that stand out to me when I'm looking through a Josh Rojas's 2022 season. He had a 295 average with runners in scoring position. I'm not sure there's a number that I care about more than runners in scoring position. A 295 average, run scoring opportunities, they seem to come few and far between sometimes for the D-backs. More in 2021 than 2022, but sometimes they're just games where the D-backs are going like two for seven with runners in scoring position. And you're like, if you got that one run in the third inning when you had a man on third and one out, we could have won that game. But maybe it was because a Josh Rojas wasn't at the plate because he was phenomenal for the D-backs for runners in scoring position. And it's not just runners in scoring position, just men on the bases in general. 316 average and an 849 OPS with men on the bases for Rojas. One of the other stats I love, two outs, having a two-out rally, able to keep the inning going. That's where you get their crooked numbers. It's usually not, I don't want to say usually, I don't want to overgeneralize, but how many times do you see a team put up a crooked number after there's already two outs on the board? Like I feel like it happens to the D-backs a good amount last season. I feel like sometimes the D-backs are able to do it as well. Like I think two-out rallies are really impressive. They're hard to do. They show the quality of the batters you have in your lineup. And Josh Rojas is someone with a 302 average and an 810 OPS with two outs. Absolutely love that. High leverage moments. Another clutch stat. 806 OPS and high leverage moments for Josh Rojas. Inning seven through nine, the end of the game. Rojas, a 326 average and an 871 OPS toward the end of the game in those innings seven through nine. Those are his numbers. And it makes sense because Rojas crushes the bullpen. Rojas against relievers in 2022, a 341 average and an 894 OPS against relievers. This guy crushed the bullpen in 2022. Once that starter came out the game, Rojas took over and he had a 299 average on fastballs. I also love that number. For a major leaguer, if you can keep up with the fastball and crush the fastball, that's basically like, that. that's what you need as the Basic minimum to be, I think, an everyday major leaguer. You got to be solid against the fastball. And Josh Rojas is more than solid against the fastball. So those are the goods from Josh Rojas's 2022 season. But how about the bads? Well, if you want to bet on Josh Rojas improving on his bads in 2023, you need to head to betonline.net because betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. 
We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss the bad from Josh Rojas's 2023, from his 2022 season, not 2023. So the first bad I want to talk about, um, I, w- I would like to just get, when you look at his traditional numbers for Josh Rojas, I just want to get that OPS up a little bit. 739 OPS, mostly the slugging, like the power just wasn't really there for Rojas. <clears throat> I'm starting to struggle to talk a little bit. The power just wasn't really there for Rojas this past season. And the power, I think, throughout his time with the D-backs, still a little bit more yearning in that power department for Rojas. A little bit more doubles. Considering the speed he has, I would like a little bit more doubles and a few more triples. Only one triple in 2022. I thought that was kind of a surprising number. 56 RBIs. Yeah, it was his career high. I think 56 RBIs for a guy with those numbers and high leverage moments and runners in scoring position, I would like to see that number be higher. Yes, he only played 125 games of it, but if he played 150, what is it then? Maybe 65 RBIs? I think Rojas has potential to be a 75 to 80 RBI guy, and most people don't like the RBI stat anymore. I still think it's a pretty important stat. Home run percentage was below 2% this past season. It was like 1.8%. Like, that's probably got to be closer to like 4%. Like, Rojas, I think, has 15 to like 16, 17, 18 home run potential. I don't know if he's a 20 home run guy, but he's got a sweet, smooth, fluid swing. So, if he can barrel up the ball a little bit more, get that sweet spot a little bit more, I do think Rojas could see an uptick in the home runs, but not like a crazy amount, not to a crazy degree. Not to a crazy degree of home runs. Not going to turn into the left-handed Aaron Judge out of nowhere. Same with his extra base hit percentage. Like, his extra base hit percentage went down this season from last year. Like, I don't want to see that for Josh Rojas. Like, he just hits a lot of singles, and I want to see a little bit more doubles. Also, not great against lefties. Like, 667 OPS against lefties is not terrible, but... I need that OPS to be higher against righties if he's only going to be batting 676 against lefties. That's why I'm like a 767 OPS against righties. It's just not good enough when your splits against lefties is like borderline 700 OPS as well. Like I need that OPS to be above 800 against righties if you're Josh Rojas. And then we talked about how good he was in the last three innings of a ball game, how good he was against the bullpen. That's because he's not good to start a game. In the first three innings of a ball game, Josh Rojas has a 576 OPS. And against starting pitchers, Rojas, a 640 OPS and a 222 average. That's a stark contrast. Like, he's basically putting up all-star level numbers against the bullpen and then playing like he shouldn't be in the lineup when he's going against starting pitchers. So we need uh, to find a way to find uh, a bridge to a bridge for those two numbers, for those two splits. Like, I would like the bullpen stats to stay the same and then if we could somehow get the stats against starters closer to the bullpen stats. Like, if he's like a 715, a 720 OPS guy against starters, a two. 
50 to 60 average guy against starters with the same numbers against bullpen guys. Like now all of a sudden, Rojas is like a 285, 780 OPS guy. And that just changes the outlook of Rojas. And now maybe all of a sudden, he is getting 75 to 80 RBIs. So I would love for Rojas to improve in those areas. And also had a really bad slugging percentage against breaking pitches. It was only like a 318 slugging percentage against breaking pitches this past season. Like he also needs to improve in that area. Crushes the fastball, but breaking pitches are kind of his weakness right now, at least in terms of the power department. So for 2023, what kind of season should we project for Josh Rojas? Well, according to baseball reference, they're projecting a 25 double, 10 home run, 48 RBI, 14 stolen bases, 258 average, a 724 OPS, and that's in 449 at-bats for Josh Rojas. Like, those numbers would be solid. Those are basically saying he's going to do the same thing he's done the past couple years. But for Josh Rojas, I want a little bit more from him. I'm not saying he has to be an all-star, but he's gotten better basically every year. I want to see a little bit more for Josh Rojas. Get a little bit better next season. Make it a 276 average. Make it a 760 OPS on the season. Get 25 stolen bases. Get 12 home runs. I just want to see him steadily improve. Like I said earlier, this has been the best player from the Zach Greinke trade. And coming into next season, he's probably going to be platooning with Emmanuel Rivera at third base when there's a righty lefty on the mound. But for Rojas, I wouldn't mind seeing him get more run at second base as well because... We've talked about on this podcast about how Ketan Marte, his numbers were like way better when he played second. Or excuse me, Ketan Marte's numbers were way better when he DH as opposed to playing in the field. Then you look at Rojas, his numbers were way better when he had to man second base as opposed to third base. So maybe you try to figure out a way to get Rojas more opportunities at second and Ketan Marte more opportunities at DH. I don't know if those numbers actually hold up. Like for Marte, I think it makes more sense that he performs better when he doesn't have to move around. And he just gets a hit. For Rojas, I don't know why he performs better at the plate when he's manning second as opposed to playing third base. But if we could get Rojas more at second and Ketan Marte DHing more and it leads to better uptake in production than I'm all for. And also for the D-backs, we know they have a logjam in the outfield. If they do decide to trade away a Jake McCarthy or or Alec Thomas, like we know Rojas can play right field if he has to. Rojas is athletic. He's super, he's super versatile. And so I'm someone that doesn't want to put any limits on Josh Rojas. Like, do I think he will ever be an all-star? Maybe, maybe not. I'll probably lean no, but I don't want to put limits on someone who gets better every single season and has thus surpassed all my expectations during his time with Arizona. I love Josh Rojas, one of my favorite players. I think he's the swaggiest player. I think he has the most confidence, and I love to see him play in the field. And I think he's going to be in for a pretty good 2023 season. What I project or predict all-star, probably not, but what I predict above average major leaguer, that's damn right. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. Thank you to everyone for tuning into today's podcast. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Sports Today podcast that goes behind the scenes and beyond the scoreboard with local insights from our experts at the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts and YouTube. So go check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.